How you doing? Are you in Miami right now? Yeah, I'm in Miami. Uh, just got back from Vegas, and the weather's getting nice and crispy. That's right, man. I, I was lucky enough to be on a vacation in Hawaii last week and then got a stark reminder of where we're at when I came back to New York. And it's like, oh, it's time for my winter coat again. Like, we're there. <laughs> yeah, I don't miss those winter days. No, man. I actually, I just wanted to ask really quick off the bat, you just played at Nebula. Um, that's a, obviously brand spanking new club. What, what was that like? How was it? How was the crowd? Um, I think that there, it has a lot of potential. It's got a lot of potential and it's, um, it's needed in New York city. Honestly, like, uh, people are tired of driving all the way out to Brooklyn, uh, to have a, a, a dance, you know what I mean? So, uh, if they can keep building up on the night that we had and keep those people coming in and, and, uh, getting the good dance crowd. I think it's got a lot of potential. It's a nice room to, you know, it's a, it's a dance, a big dance floor. Uh, and I hope that uh, they continue on with this plan. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I just want to give, you know, you a little introduction, um, for those watching, I'm here right now with Ronnie Cycli. Um, you know, you have such an incredible story, obviously kind of in preparing for this, I like, didn't really know where to start because there's a lot of things to talk about. Um, for those that don't know, you know, you were one of the first very successful European players to make it to the NBA, first person to ever be drafted by the Miami Heat, you know, a 12-year career, great numbers, most improved player. But obviously, you know, we're really primarily here to talk about your music. And, uh, you know, I just think that over the years, listening through your tracks and everything you've put out, it seems like you've had some progression, uh, maybe some more house in the beginning, recently a lot more of the melodic influence I'm wondering if you could just give us a little background on kind of who influences you musically and what direction like you're hoping to go with your music. Um, it's a great question because, um, you know, I, I've made music for many, many years and I would always give them out to different labels and the labels would say, we like the music, but it just does not fit into our catalog. And, and I knew that I kind of had like a different sound that wouldn't fit into many people's catalog. So getting my tracks out there was very, very difficult. And then I decided, you know what? Somehow my tracks work when I play live, but no label wants them. So I, I just didn't understand what, what the problem was. So I said, let me, let me start my own label and put out my own tracks and put the music that I'm feeling at that moment. And see if 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 that works and that's exactly the path i took uh, in making music that resonates to me and how i how i perceive music this is my this is my take on it it's not uh, you know it's very niche it's not for everybody uh it's a different sound it's uh you know i i understand that uh Music is very uh, subjective, you know, it's uh, to some people, it's, it's, it's amazing. And to some people, maybe it's not for them, but I totally get that. And uh, I won't stop doing what I do. Absolutely. You know, I think um, you've often discussed that initially beginning your career, you had some kind of trepidation. You didn't want people to think you were DJing for fame. You know, we've seen a lot of people just kind of jump into this world because it's like an easy paycheck and it looks cool. 
obviously, you know, you have more passion than that. And you have this kind of amazing story of turning your childhood garage into a club. Um, you know, I think if there's any doubts, it's like that should, that should squash that. But could you just kind of tell us about that time in your life and when you maybe first discovered that house music was really a passion for you? Uh, music was always a passion for me. It was a passion uh, for me before basketball was. Um, I played basketball uh, later on. Uh, I was kind of a, a late bloomer. But uh, as far as music concerned, I started playing music. Uh, and I started uh, and I built this club in my uh, parents' garage. And, uh, you know, I had the early disco influence, um, R&B, a little bit of classical music from what I would hear from what my parents were playing. Uh, so it, music has been part of my life. Um, even during the NBA, I, would, I always had a club at my house and I would play music for my friends. I would play music, uh, you know, just, to, and, and, and nothing has actually changed. I've always had a club in my house and I would always play music for my friends and house music was always, you know, disco was kind of the beginning that turned into house music and it's morphed into many, many different genres of house music, but that's where the original kind of music came from. And uh, so I, uh, you know, I, I, until today, I still have a club in my house and I still play music for my friends. And that is my, and that's what I love mostly. And I never really wanted to kind of play out and get judged and people saying, what the fuck is this guy doing? I'm sorry. I'm, well, what the hell is this guy doing? Why is he decided to be a DJ? Does he miss the limelight? And honestly, like, that's the last thing I miss. I don't miss the limelight. I don't miss being judged. I don't miss the travel. I don't miss those lonely nights in hotels. So it doesn't really resonate um, to me in any way, but for the love of music. And Eric Murillo, uh, may he rest in peace, about 10, 15 years ago, came, used to come to my house to listen to me at, at my house. And he says, Ronnie, you need to play out. You've got a different style. You've got a different sound. And you need to play out. You need to let people hear your sound. Uh, and he was the one that kind of pushed me to get into this. And, um, you know, I, I, I really was never sure whether I really wanted to do this publicly. I, uh, I, I just didn't miss being judged and i just uh, and i still don't and i you know and and that's why i know i know that i have a certain style of music and it's not going to resonate with everybody and but when but what when it does resonate with these people they actually love it and uh and i'm here to and uh, to put um you know a few happy smiles on uh, on the dance floor and to kind of bring back the energy that we had back in the 90s, 2000, where the club was to go dance and to go have fun and to smile and take pictures and of celebration, of, of laughter, of, you know, of joy. Somehow music turned into pull out your cell phone and take videos of, of the DJ that's playing and posting it. And, you know, the, the vibe is gone. You know, what happened to the, to the dancing part? And that's where I want to, that's where I, kind of navigate or I, that's where I traffic. I love to be that DJ that brings a party together 
and turn it into a party instead of a kind of a DJ influenced uh, this guy is playing. You know, I just I would if if there if there could be curtains, I would close the curtains and just let people enjoy the music and forget what DJ is playing and let the music do the talking and not the name. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think as it's just evolved over the years, especially obviously as you kind of alluded to with the EDM boom, it's like it's become this very forward-facing, flashy, you know, who has the most lasers and fire and fireworks. And it's like, you know, that's not really what we're here for. But you've had the opportunity, obviously, to live in Miami for, you know, quite a long time. Uh, and as you just mentioned, you know, hosting a lot of parties on your own. But I'm just wondering, how have you kind of seen the scene in Miami grow and develop in the time you've lived there? Um, I've seen it. Uh, I've seen it go from going to space as a, as a client was a dangerous proposition back in the 2000s. It was in kind of, you know, worst neighborhoods of Miami. Uh, people thought space was for crazy people uh, to now being the uh, one of the best clubs in the world and all the VIPs fighting for a table and everybody fighting for um, some real estate on the dance floor. So I've, you know, I've seen the transition. Uh, so music has come a long way in Miami and uh, it's, it's the influence of all these DJs moving to Miami uh, of all these people coming here. And, 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 and it's, it's become one of the, the, the hubs of, the U.S. I think that if you ask any uh, DJ where you would like to play in the U.S., you know, not festival, but as a club, it's got to be space. Yeah, it's I mean, the way it's developed and honestly, I mean, the talent that they've just brought in, it's like anybody who's anybody seems to be playing there. And it's nice. I had the opportunity to go to Three Points um, a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, again, just another excellently curated festival that's kind of stepped out of the shadow of Ultra, which felt a little like overwhelming at times. Um, I know somebody that you kind of built a relationship in your Miami days and obviously still is, was Diddy and you have a track coming out with him. I think this week uh, yeah. I was, I was able to take a listen to it. It's really awesome. Looking forward to everybody to hear it, but can you just tell us kind of, you know, how that came about and you know what it means to you to put out a track with somebody like that? Uh, you know, I've, I've gone, um, I've, We've Diddy has come to my house so many times to listen to me play at my house in private, and uh, and my dream was always to kind of have some influence of hip hop or R and B or something like this in the in the house music where the two can blend, but without moving too much on either side, uh, keeping it underground, but just kind of a little touch of of um, of that of that rap, and he's got such a distinct voice that I just. You know, I, I never wanted to push my friendship and say, hey, I want to do a track with you or something like this. But at some point, you know, I just uh, we were uh, just chatting and I and I said to him, I would can I can I use uh, can I use uh, some vocals from you on a track? And and then he said to me, well, you know, if I we're going to have to get into the studio and I'm going to push you and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to I'm going to make sure that it's what I want and all that stuff. So. He then sent me a text message 
uh, I mean, I'm sorry, a voice message, uh, you know, telling me the same kind of thing. Like, you know, like we've been talking about this for so long and, and I'm so happy that it's finally happening and I, I can't wait. And, you know, it's all about the groove and stuff like that. And then I took that voice message and just kind of put it on the track itself. And it was kind of kind of fit perfectly because it's it's you know there was it, it's my story with him and that's the story i wanted it was a personal message to me that was the story of of how our friendship is and what we've you know how we got to this point so the actual what he said is exactly what the real story is and then i took some snippets uh from a previous uh track he did and you and i splashed that around and uh, sent it to him and I said, what do you think? He's like, love it, go with it. I did two of them actually. And the first one is gonna get released uh, uh, this week and the other one will be released with the album. That's amazing. Wow, so he didn't even have to come into the studio. You just got him on the voicemail, super authentic. I got voicemail and I said, you know what? I can work with this. So what you're saying is, are you putting an album out or did you mean for him? I'm sorry? Are you putting an album out? Was that what you meant? Yeah, yeah, I'm putting an album out uh, in March. Oh, so wow. these are releases. Um, these are singles from the from the album. I'm releasing, uh, I think, six or seven tracks, uh, just as kind of a a bonus uh, singles, and then we'll release the the, the whole album uh, in March or April. That's awesome. Is it's there any album? <laughs> oh wow! Is there anyone else that you've collaborated with on it? Um. Uh, no other producers or any kind of thing like this. It's more, it's more um, you know, singers and, and uh, nobody as famous as Diddy, that's for sure. Well, he's a hard one to top. Um, <clears throat> you know, just in terms of the production side, you know, you've had, again, as I mentioned, like you've put out a lot of music over the last decade and you've had some really high level collaborators, Diddy aside, you know, you've worked with people like Black Circle, Harry Romero, Bedouin, most recently Sasha. I mean, it's really like a murderer's row. And uh, I'm just curious, you know, for you, obviously, as someone who's passionate about this music, when did you really make that decision to start producing music and you know, in general, how do you connect with some of these people who, you know, have been doing it for a really long time? So in 2009-ish, uh, 2010, Eric Morello pushed me to start making music. He said, if you, you know, if you're not going to play out, at least learn how to make music so you can start making me music. And that's exactly how it started. I, I started sitting next to producers and next to people to see and to, to be taught how to, how, how to put this together. Uh, I was more, I was always more of a, on the creative side than on the technical side. And, um, and I just, um, you know, I started making music for subliminal and uh, it was music that Eric wanted, but not necessarily music that I would play. And, uh, and that was the kind of the, the, the problem with it. Like I would make a lot of music, but I, it's not music that I would necessarily play, but he wanted it. So I, I did it for him. And then at some point I had to turn the corner and I, you know, and then that's when I started making music that I felt. And that's the music that was kind of getting rejected everywhere until I started doing my own label and putting it out. And then, you know, we've had numerous, I mean, I'm talking about, we've been, we've been in, maybe this is our second or third, uh, our third year. And we've had probably 
20 or 30 in the top 100. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's been amazing. And again, you know, just kind of how your sound has progressed has been great. I'm wondering, I think, you know, the people you've collaborated with seem to be more in line with kind of the direction you're going. Is there anyone that you really hope to work with kind of in the near future? As I said, the album's coming out uh, in March or April, and I've got remixes on every one of those tracks by amazing producers uh, that are on the other scale of of the type of music that I play, which is uh, Paco Osuna, Joseph Capriati, and Joseph Capriati is a great friend of mine. I love him. I love his music. And um, he's doing a remix for me as well. Uh, so, you know, I feel like my music is kind of a blend. It doesn't have a certain genre. It's a blend of every of, of every genre of, and, and all my experiences. I kind of put them into the track. So if you have to, you know, if, if you kind of, I'm not sure what genre it is. Because a lot of people say, what kind of music is this? And I can't, you know, no, I don't know how to coin it. I don't know how to, you know, what to call it. It's melodic. Yes, it's melodic, but it's not melodic techno. And it's not really, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's in the middle between uh, deep tech and progressive house it's somewhere, but not EDM progressive, progressive, old school, progressive, Sasha and degree progressive. Uh, so it's somewhere in that cross uh, with a hint of house music uh, vintage and kind of new house. And that's kind of the music that, that inspires me is to be different and to consistently, uh, evolve. I don't want to get stuck in a certain sound. And that's why you, what you hear 10 years ago is, you know, and what you hear today is just kind of me evolving into where I feel that the sound is needed most. And, you know, as I'm continue making music, I feel that the music continues to change and I'm just going to keep following it as as far as it goes and when people stop liking the music then i'll stop making it <laughs> we got to see the uh ronnie cycli boris brescia collab i think that would be something special <laughs> <laughs> um you know you've talked a lot about kind of the radio show that you host and you know i think it's one of these things that people who listen like myself probably take for granted um you know, it's like, oh, you put it out every week or every two weeks. It can't be that hard. But, you know, as you or anybody that does something like that knows, it's, it is, you know, it's a lot of work. You're trying to make it clean. You're trying to make sure all the tracks are right. Can you just kind of take us through, you know, what your standard preparation is for producing the show? Um, so the radio show I, um, on Sirius XM lasted about eight years. And they wanted a mix every week. Uh, and it was so popular that they started playing it on the Chill Channel as well. So I had four hours a week on, on Sirius XM. Uh, and it, the, the work started getting more and more t- uh, tiring. And, uh, and, you know, it just took a lot of my time. As much as I love doing it, I, it, it was just at the end, it was very, very hard to find 11 or 12 tracks uh, a week. I, I, and I didn't, I didn't want to start diluting the product and, uh, and putting in a couple of good tracks and a couple of bad tracks. So I wanted to kind of stop before the, the brand got diluted. Uh, and they totally understood that. 
But the funny thing is, is at the time that I started playing this style of music, EDM was at its peak. And I was kind of competing with this EDM um, kind of uh, other uh, shows and stuff like that. So my hour on that, uh, on, on that channel was sandwiched between EDM music. So I carved a little niche and, and found these fans that kind of loved that music. And uh, so I had a great run of eight years. But honestly, like if people think that it's not hard work to find 12 to 14 tracks a week and not repeat one single one week on week for eight years, the, they don't know how, you know, they don't know anything about music. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot. It's funny. Like I, I, uh, I, I DJ just for fun, you know, and, and one of my friends was like, Hey, can you come play my birthday party this Friday? And I'm like, Oh shit. Okay. I need to put together a playlist. Like what's the theme? What kind of music do you want? Am I downloading new things? Like what are the new tracks? You know, it's, it is a job. I mean, it is a job. It's fun, but it's certainly work. Um, you know, I just want to, transition really quick obviously I, I can't talk to you without asking a little bit about the basketball side of things you know I read this story that you told about how you first really picked it up when you were in Greece and you went to buy sneakers and the shop owner had played and he was like this guy has size you know let's make this happen can you just take us through kind of the first few years of your youth career and when you realized that maybe this could actually be something there is um you know, I really believe that, you know, so, somehow you're, you're kind of destined to go where you're supposed to go. And honestly, like walking into that sneaker shop, he was the only guy that sold size 15, 16 at the time uh, sneakers in, in Greece. So I walk into the store and the guy probably is never there and happens to be there at that time. And, you know, I got lucky being at the right place at the right time for a guy to come and tell me, listen, you know. You know, I want you to come. Uh, this was the first division of the best team in basketball in Greece. And he was one of the best players in Greece and a legend in basketball. Um, so he pulled me under his wing and he's like, you know, come over and let's 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 see where we, what what we can do. And at first he did this blindly. He didn't know what kind of athlete I was. He just saw my size and he saw my lankiness. And he says, you know, let's let's see what this guy can do. But honestly, I was always a great athlete. I, so I played soccer, volleyball, track and field. I mean, I, I snow skied, I water skied. I did every single sport under the sun except for basketball. And uh, I didn't want to play basketball because everybody wanted me to play basketball because I was tall. And I kind of held off, held off until this guy, you know, kind of pulled me in. And then as soon as I got on the court and he started explaining to me how, how, how to you know, let, let's see what you can do and stuff. He just saw the athletic ability and he was, you know, he was like, you're not going anywhere. We're going to work, you know, we're going to, well, this is like a diamond in the rough. We, there's a lot of standing there, whatever it is that's going to go on, but we're going to get you there. And it, it's funny when you play a sport and every day that you, that you play that sport, you feel like you're getting so much better. It's not like where you kind of, it's so hard to get better or it's hard to improve. It's every day I was going by leaps and I was getting better and better and better. But my basis and uh, my foundation was athleticism. So I just needed to learn how to play the game. 
and uh, and that's how it started. And you know, and from there, uh, you know, at, at first these guys were pushing me around and kicking my ass, and by in six weeks to eight weeks, I was kicking their ass. And that competition was not good enough for me anymore. So I needed to find better competition. And that's when I came to the States and said, you know what? I'll find better competition here. And then everybody in Greece told me, you're crazy to go there. You will never make it. These guys will eat you up alive. And that was music to my ears because I love to be the underdog. I love for people to say, I can't do something. And um, that's exactly what how, how it, it developed. And then, you know, I came to, to the U.S., didn't know anything about anything and got myself uh, into Syracuse. And that was the journey that how the journey started. But honestly, like um, looking back, if you tell me that I have to do the whole thing back again, I would tell you, no, thanks. It was just like, you know, when you're young, you don't really think about the pressure and, 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 and everything that comes with it. Now I look at the games and I see these like 20, 30,000, people in stadiums and i'm like how the hell did i play in front of all these people <laughs> and more than that i mean you, you i think you had the opportunity like to play against jordan you know during one of those runs i mean i can't even imagine but just because you mentioned it with the age thing you know you had this pretty illustrious college career you know going down as like one of the all-time greats at syracuse and I don't know how much you follow basketball anymore, but I'm sure, you know, it's like, it's such a young league. Now guys are just told like one year in college, that's it. You know, when you entered the league, you were like 23 years old. You're more of an adult. Could you imagine kind of now joining the league at age 19 and being thrust into that lifestyle? I think it's the biggest mistake. And I totally understand the financial side of it. Um, they want to take care of their families and they want to take care of themselves. And, you know, they, they've, they've had it rough so far and the quicker they get the money, the better it is. But unfortunately with that comes no education and no education to do what with all that money. So you end up hiring your cousin that has no idea about business and hiring people from your family that have no idea about how to make money or save money to run your business. And that's where the problem starts. So you, you're kind of an uneducated, super rich guy. And now you've got to, you, you've got to educate yourself to, to figure out how am I going to save this money and let, it sit and let it last me for the rest of my life. And that's, you know, when you spend four years in college and, and you're actually going to class, you'll understand how important it is you know, to, 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 maintain, to, to maintain the money that you make and, and to save properly and, and to understand what taxes mean. And, you know, you get a paycheck, 50%, you can cut that paycheck in half and send half of it to, 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 to the uh, IRS. And then you've got another half. Now you can spend that half on your cars and on your boats and on your houses and all that stuff. And you'll be broke by the time you, 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 you finish uh, your career. And, my thing would be is like, you know, that other half, you should slice that in thirds. A third goes into your lifestyle. A third goes into investments. And a third uh, is, you know, you, you, you actually try to start a business and do something that's going to last you for, for a long time. When you're spending the majority of it on, on depreciating assets, you, you know, 
you're, that's why the, what is it like 60 or 70 percent of athletes are bankrupt within three and a half years of retiring you know and that's the emphasis that i would you know if these kids want to leave college at 19 and and i understand they want the money but please educate yourself don't trust anybody don't listen to anybody educate yourself and do things uh, yourself, you know, and, and that's, you know, I, w- I would, I would love to, to, you know, we, the NBA does a, gr- a great job about this and they would, they used to bring uh, ex athletes to our games or to our practices. And then, you know, at some point in practice, practice breaks up and we have a meeting with these ex and uh, NBA players. And these NBA players would stand there in front of all, all of us and, and tell us their stories, guys, save your money. Don't spend your money. Save your money. Do this. Don't be like me. Do this. No, 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 no. These guys are not listening to it. You know, not one guy is listening to this NBA guy giving them advice. And I can only imagine in, in today's world, they're, you know, they, they're making so much money. They think that they'll be good forever. But easy come, easy go. It's all, it's all you know it's 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 all relevant you know it's if it's three zeros and you're spending three zeros more it's it's the same thing you're going to end up losing your money yeah I, I there's this great story that Shaq tells of like you know what did you do with your first NBA paycheck and he thought that he had a million dollars and he goes out and you know buys a car for everybody in his family and then his accountant calls him and is like hey man you can't afford this you're broke he's like what do you mean he's like well you just gave up 40% of that to the IRS. So always remember that. And I think the tax thing, all of it, it's, it's tough. And I can't imagine being 19 and, you know, getting that kind of money. Um, and I think your perspective on it is great. Uh, you know, I just want to kind of closing out here. Um, you know, I just wanted to ask you a little, I saw you just posted on Instagram about what's going on in Lebanon and, you know, you were kind of posting a call to vote and, you know, for people to be active I'm wondering if you could just kind of tell us a little bit about what's happening there and how you hope to use your voice. I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, Lebanon has been um, has had the same um, politicians running the country for the past, since I left the country 40 years ago, and I think they have uh, wiped it clean. There is absolutely nothing that they've left for the people. They've they've squeezed out every drop out of that towel. Uh, with you know stealing money and uh, you know and taking advantage of of their power, and it's time for them to go. It's time for them, you know. It's it's, it's time for a young, uh, you know, open-minded uh, to take us into the future because you know the the future right now is with these politicians that is not going anywhere. They're just looking out for their own selves and their pockets and their families. And that's it. They're not, they're not looking out for their people in the country. They don't care where the country goes as long as their pockets are full. Absolutely. No. And I think it's really important for, you know, somebody with your platform to say something. And, you know, again, like I saw that on your Instagram and I immediately like started doing some research and trying to understand what's going on. So I appreciate that. Um, and, you know, I just want to say thank you for taking the time today and coming in. The single is out Friday, if I'm not mistaken. That's going to be big. And the album is out in March. So we're really looking forward to it, man. And thank you so much. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Awesome. You have a good one. Take care. Thank you. Thank you.